Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. and welcome to another podcast episode of A Fit Life on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? We have on the show today, Dr. Monique Rubero. She is a board certified OBGYN and Creighton Fertility Care Medical Consultant. Our conversation with her will focus on the ever-evolving topic of women's care, and some men's as well, and how to best interpret that information, which is available to all of us, to suit our own individual needs. Dr. Ribeiro is also a wife, a mother, an author, and a speaker, and we are glad to have her on the show today. So without further ado, please help me welcome to A Fit Life, Dr. Monique Ribeiro. Hi, Dr. Ribeiro. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How's everything? <laughs> so I'm so glad to have you on the show today. I really am looking forward to our conversation. But before we do so, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself, uh, what you do. So, so um, I was a typically trained gynecologist. I went through residency, medical school, the whole nine. And I practiced like a normal gynecologist for many years. And in that sense, I mean, I used to write contraceptives. I used to place IUDs. I used to refer people for IVF when they had medical issues in the GYN department. But I realized kind of into my practice that it wasn't how I would want to be treated myself because I'm a much more holistic individual. I prefer to treat things naturally without the use of hormones. And I always prefer to really understand the root cause of everything rather than trying to cover it up with a Band-Aid. And what I understood was that the majority of GYN treatments are the use of contraceptives. And in almost every case, it's, okay, you have abnormal bleeding, let's give you a contraceptive to shut down your bleeding pathway. You have hormonal issues, let's give you a contraceptive to shut down your ovulation. You're trying to avoid pregnancy. Let's give you a contraceptive to try and prevent you from ovulating so you can't conceive or trying to thin your inner lining so the baby can't implant in that inner lining. So it's a lot of kind of let's just address the symptoms and not really address the underlying issues. And so I was very blessed to find out about NAPRO technology, which is a completely different way of addressing every GYN issue out there. So basically with NAPR technology, we help people to understand where they're ovulating, if they're ovulating, and then we look at the hormonal underpinnings for all of their systems. And we really take a deep look at their thyroid function. We take a deep look at their estrogen and progesterone levels. We look for polycystic ovarian syndrome. And once again, when we find abnormalities, we don't give contraceptives to just shut down those problems but rather we look to see what is missing and what can we do to kind of replenish those things that are missing. And that helps 
significantly. Like um, perfect example, somebody that has PMS. So a lot of people assume that it's normal for women to have PMS, but it really isn't. It's a sign of a lack of estrogen and progesterone. So we would do the work. We'd have people go and get blood work done, identify when they're ovulating, check labs at the correct time, compare it to what is normal. And then when we realize that this woman has crazy high estrogen, then we would give supplements to address that. Or when we realize that someone has really low progesterone, we would give other supplements to help improve the quality of their eggs so they have better hormones later. Or we'd supplement back with natural sources of progesterone so that they're no longer experiencing those symptoms. But it's not masking the problem. It's actually addressing the problem. So when you when you uh, visit with clients what what is a common i guess a common thread that you see among all of them what is something that you talk about on a frequent basis with them so every single patient is different but it's basically like a full scale gyn office so people come to me for you know abnormal bleeding for pms symptoms for hormonal irregularities for infertility um, for pain, you know, all sorts of different things. And with all of them, one of the main themes is listen to your body. Your body is always trying to talk to you and tell you what is going on. And rather than just shutting down the systems and trying to ignore what your body is telling you, if instead you actually pay attention to the signs and symptoms, you're going to get a lot more information out of that. I understand. So here's something that it's actually happening right now. Now, my niece, she's, uh, I'm hopefully I, her age is correct, uh, around 28 or 29. And she was having difficulties getting pregnant. So she went to her care doctor and they found out that one of her tubes was blocked. Can you explain to me, uh, and then she has explained it to me somewhat, but in, in a situation like that, where you're trying to become pregnant or get pregnant, that could have an, an issue, right? And a problem? Absolutely. So when we look at patients with infertility, there's you typically more than one reason as to why they aren't conceiving because one of her tubes may be blocked, but she still has another tube, right? Mm -hmm. So quite often when one is damaged, the body will preferentially have you ovulate so that you can pick up from the other side. So there are tests that we absolutely do for people with infertility. Number one, to check the anatomy, make sure everything looks normal. The uterus is normal. The tubes are normal. Check the tubes to see if um, the dye can go through the tubes. Sometimes you can have what you think is the tube being blocked, but it's actually just a spasm in the tube. So it's worthwhile kind of rechecking that test again to make sure that it actually is blocked or having a surgery to look at the tube to make mm -hmm. sure that is it an ad adhesion or something sticking to it that's pulling it in one way or another? Or is it actually a disease tube? And then you can you know, go in and if it is a, a truly diseased tube, you can remove that tube, but you can still conceive naturally from the other side. But we would want to do a full evaluation. So we look at the semen analysis actually in a completely different way from how the IVF doctors look at it because they're always looking at a semen analysis in terms of how can we make this work for IVF. So their numbers are way, way, way lower than what we would want for a natural fertility. And so 
when we see men, more often than not, we're offering them supplements to superpower their sperm, to make up for any infertility issues that their spouse has. Um, but then when we look at the wife, we're looking at what is going on with your hormones after ovulation? Do you have any abnormalities with that? Do you have any abnormalities with your thyroid? Do you have any abnormalities with infection? Because there are so many different areas that impact fertility and you have to address all of them. You can't ignore any of them. Understood. Is unexplained infertility really unexplained? No, I think that's a horrible term that is a total lie. I think it's, there's never a time, I have never encountered a patient who has been told that she has unexplained infertility, that we haven't been able to find something going on. There's typically several things going on, but when you're in an industry that is aimed towards getting people pregnant in a particular way, then you have this kind of menu of things that you do and then if none of those things come back abnormal, then you're going to push them towards your number one treatment, which typically is IVF or IUI. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't see the benefit in doing all of the extra work to find the other causes because you're not going to get too much money off of dealing with those things. So I think more often than not, people who are given the diagnosis of unexplained infertility, they haven't had a thorough workup where they're looking at all of their hormones in such a in-depth way. Um, oftentimes they're not addressing the really deep thyroid abnormalities. So it's, um, it's, there's always something. There's always something, right? How yeah. does IVF really work? And the second part is what's the alternative and how much does it cost? So IVF typically they have the man masturbate and collect a sample. And then they look at that, they kind of weed out the good sperm from the bad sperm. And then they hyperstimulate the female. They'll give her medications to help her ovulate or create multiple follicles. And then they'll go in and retrieve those follicles. Then they'll put these follicles in with the sperm in a Petri dish, and they'll have these embryos that are created. Then when they have these embryos that are created, they'll then proceed to grade them. And they'll say, okay, this one is a better grade than that one. This one is better than that one. Let's discard some of these embryos. So that's kind of the first place where it becomes a real ethical, moral issue for a lot of people. Because if you believe that life begins at conception or at fertilization, which every embryology textbook and every OBGYN textbook would agree upon, then that's a real issue because for these people who are trying to conceive a single healthy child, they're now discarding embryos, which are thought to be not as good of quality. Hmm. Then they can only implant two of these embryos at once into the uterus. And so the rest of them have to be frozen. And when they implant those two into the uterus, they might take off like gangbusters and they might split into triplets or split into quadruplets. And then the next question at that point is, will you allow us to reduce? So once again, now you have possibly four beating hearts or three beating hearts, and then they're gonna inject one of them or two of them with a solution to end the life of those pregnancies in order to create a healthier pregnancy for the mom.
I think a lot of people don't realize that that's an issue. And then you're kind of tied into doing it over and over because you have these other embryos that are frozen. Correct. So, and then if you dig into even deeper, there's a bigger issue, right? So now you're opening up another can of worms, especially in today's uh, world. How can a man superpower his sperm? So there are several supplements that can be used. Um, there are men typically spend a lot of time seated, either seated while they're driving or mm -hmm. seated on the couch or seated in front of a computer. And if you think about it, the scrotum has to move up and down in order to accommodate the testicles for temperature. So mm -hmm. when it's cold, the scrotum will pull up to keep the testicles warm. When mm -hmm. it's hot, the scrotum will fall to keep the testicles cooler. But if you're constantly in a seated position, and especially if a man like is in the habit of crossing his legs when he's sitting, that makes it very difficult for that scrotum to move back and forth. And so even a two degree rise in temperature can cause sperm to be damaged for the next three months. And so you want to make sure that you're keeping that area cool. So if it's somebody who's like doing a lot of work on the computer, maybe consider standing up versus sitting down the whole time. Um, there are There is a company called Underdog and Underdog makes a little wedge that you can keep in the freezer and then it's got a little cushion over it that you can slide under yourself when you're sitting for long periods of time. And it's just like a cooling block to keep the area cool. So things like that really do help. They improve the way the sperm appear, whether they have two heads or two tails, that's called the morphology. Mm -hmm. um, they also improve the motility, the, how fast the sperm can move and that they're moving in a correct direction. So that's one way, but there are definitely, once you have a semen analysis done and it's analyzed, then you can say, okay, your morphology is a little bit under or your motility is a little bit under or the volume is a little bit under, and these are the specific supplements that you would take in order to improve those things. So there's a lot that can be done. I know that obviously people are living longer. We are having better technology. So normally for women, as far as is getting pregnant, is there like a, a preferred timeline to do that? Like an age that you, you would recommend? Yeah, I mean, definitely the younger you are, when you're in your 20s, you have a better chance of conceiving than you do when you're in your 30s and when you're in your 40s and definitely when you're in your 50s. It's your quality of your eggs is much better the younger that you are. Um, your cycle length, everything, because your hormones are better when you have better quality eggs, everything is seems to be a lot easier and a lot better. However, that being said, oftentimes, you know, OBGYNs will say, hey, you know, after the age of 35, you really shouldn't try and conceive or after the age of 40, you really shouldn't try and conceive and definitely not after the age of 42, you shouldn't try and conceive. And a lot of that is based on fears of genetic abnormalities or Down syndrome. But honestly, when I think about it, if you have ever met somebody who has Down syndrome, Mm -hmm. They are the most amazing human beings on this planet. They are totally loving. They are, they don't hold grudges. They meet. You're right. You're know, absolutely right. Yes. Yeah. It's the one person that when you go for Thanksgiving dinner, that even the grumpiest, most angry relative is happy to see. Mm -hmm. And it's just, they are a light in this world. So I always tell 
people who come to see me for fertility, I have no problems helping you conceive no matter what your age is, as long as you are having periods. And if you're having periods, it means you're ovulating and you need to know that there are increased risks of genetic abnormalities. But if you feel called to be a parent and you're aware of these things and you're not going to choose to abort your child because they have some sort of a diagnosis, then I'm happy to help you. If you're, if you're somebody who is instead saying, no, I want a perfect child, I'm sorry to tell you that there's no such thing as a perfect human being and that every single one of us has something wrong and it might not be something you can see visually but there's you know emotional issues there's bowel issues there's lung issues there's a plethora of disabilities that people have and if you're planning on having an abortion if you don't get exactly what you want then i honestly i don't want to have anything to do with helping you to increase your fertility now, what about men? Is there a timeline for them as well? Or is it different? It's the same with men. You know, the older men get, the harder it is for those sperm to be of good quality. The difference with men, though, is that they are constantly creating new sperm. So, like every three months, you know, like the, the sperm's life cycle is about three months and they're getting like a new batch all the time. So, it's there are definitely, you know, things that they can do to kind of improve the quality of the sperm, like what we were talking about before. But absolutely, like a 60-year-old man's virility is not going to be the same as a 20-year-old's. So we have to make accommodations for that and just try and, when we're helping people with fertility, we try and improve every possible aspect of their fertility, even by a small amount, because you never know what it is that's going to tip the scales and help them make a shift that will allow them to conceive and carry a child. What is the role of PMS in broken marriages and can it be solved naturally? Uh, that's a really good one. So oftentimes when women hit their late 30s, early 40s, they have a shift in their hormones. And it's as the eggs the quality of the eggs are kind of beginning to deteriorate. They'll find that their cycle lengths are shortening. They have more tail end brown bleeding at the end of their periods. And they'll find that right before their periods, not with all women, but with several women, they start to have more kind of annoyed feelings, anger, irritability, headaches, breast tenderness, uh, all sorts of issues like this. And it all falls into this PMS category. And it's interesting because most people think, oh, this is completely normal. This is expected. Everybody goes through this. And what tends to happen is you always take out these symptoms on the people that are closest to you. So you're not going to misbehave at work because you're always on best behavior at work. But when you go home, it's your spouse, it's your children that you're going to be yelling at or that you'll be irritated with. And so typically what happens is this is kind of what leads to this whole midlife crisis in marriages because the woman will feel extremely unappreciated and angry and irritated with the spouse. So they'll have a breakdown in their relationship because of this. And then she'll start to think, oh, you don't understand me. And he'll start to think, you don't understand me. And then there's possibly the lead-in of infidelity. 
And then, you know, the marriage will break up and the poor children suffer because now their parents are going separate ways. But instead, if you can identify the PMS and if you can actually test for it, the majority of these women have these telltale signs and they have these hormonal dysfunctions which are easily repaired just by taking 10 nights of compounded progesterone that helps them sleep better after ovulation and they feel like a million bucks and they're able to repair their relationships. And it's just, it's a life changer. I can't tell you the number of husbands who have reached out to me after the fact and said, oh my goodness, thank you for giving me back my wife. So (laughs) it's a real, and it's interesting because a lot of these women have never experienced you know, mental disorders or severe anxiety or depression prior to this time. So they were extremely even keel. And then all of a sudden it just comes on at that time. So it's really, it, it kind of takes the whole family by storm. Abortion pill reversal. What is that about? Mm-hmm. So in the United States and all over the world, abortions are accomplished in many different ways. And Um, There's the surgical abortions, and then there's the abortion pill. So the abortion pill is called RU486, and the way it works is it cuts off the progesterone supply to the baby. So if you can, if a woman changes her mind after taking the abortion pill, you can actually reverse the effects of the RU486 by giving her progesterone instead. And there have been many, many, many babies that have been saved in doing this. And there's no effect, like the RU486 either kills or it doesn't kill, but it doesn't cause like genetic abnormalities or problems with the baby's limbs or their brain or their development. It doesn't do any of those things. So if you can get to them early enough and they can take this abortion pill reversal, usually it's within... 72 hours of taking the pill and the farther along they are into the pregnancy, the better chance they have of reversal. So like a five weeker would be more likely to be to, to die with the abortion pill than a 10 weeker or an eight weeker if you get to them at the same time. Do you see a change in today's generation as far wise as abortion? Do you, do you see a change in, in the thinking of abortion? Do you see it more frequent? Do you see it less frequent? What, what is your opinion, your professional opinion on this? I think because of the fact that society in general is trying to spread the message of you should do what you want, do it now, and no matter what the cost is, we have a solution for you. There's a lot of misinformation as far as, you know, these poor girls and boys and young adults and men and women who are engaging in a lot of really, um, you know, concerning behaviors, having sex with multiple people or having sex with people who they're 100% certain that they are not open to pregnancy, but then they're confused when they become pregnant because birth control pills aren't 100%. The only thing that's 100% is not having sex. And so when people are kind of raised in this environment of, yeah, you should absolutely do whatever you want. You should have zero restraint whatsoever. It's naturally gonna lead to unplanned pregnancies. The attitude towards abortion, it kind of depends on 
what segment of the population you're talking to. When you actually speak to someone and you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them and you share with them exactly how an abortion is performed and exactly what the fetal development is and at what stage, you know, at four weeks after fertilization, the baby's heartbeat is already beating. And most people don't realize that. They, they have been sold the lie that this is just a clump of cells and that it's, it's just a blob of tissue, that it's not really a human being. And so a lot of people have bought that lie and they're for abortion, not realizing that it's human. And then you have people who do believe it's human, but they should have to sacrifice anything for anyone. And um, those people are also very much um, for abortion. And it's, I think it's a very difficult topic. You know, there are a lot of people who have chosen abortion because somebody kind of coerced them into it or somebody told them that they weren't capable of making any other choice, that they didn't have enough money or it would interfere with their education or um, they might have been with somebody who was actually married to someone else and he was like, no, you've got to get rid of this. I can't have anybody know. You know, there's a doctor may have told them that they had to have an abortion for some medical reason. So there's many, many, many reasons. But I would say the majority of women who I encounter who are choosing abortion are sadly choosing it out of fear. They're choosing it because they feel like they don't have support. And thanks be to God, there are many groups out there who are willing to offer support with no, not asking for anything back. Just, you know, we will give you housing. We will give you financial assistance. We will walk with you. We will babysit your children for you. We will do whatever it takes to help you so that you don't have to walk this path. So it's a matter of letting people know that those exist. Three questions left. Tell me a little bit about your practice. So I have a private practice. I am located north of Philadelphia, um, downtown Philadelphia. And I, uh, I just, I love seeing my patients. I spend a lot of time with them. We have a lot of conversation, really trying to understand what is important to this patients. I like to treat patients in a very holistic manner. So we don't just focus on just the hormones and the uterus and the ovaries. We focus a lot on that individual person's faith beliefs, that individual person's um, kind of community and who they are leaning on as well, because we want to make sure that this person is healthy physically, healthy emotionally, and also healthy spiritually, because if they have something that they believe in that is outside of themselves, more often than not, they'll be able to navigate through um, the really difficult times in life, not feeling like they have to carry the entire burden in and of themselves. But if they have something, some higher being that they ascribe to, it usually helps. Second question, where do you see yourself five years from now? I would see myself um, taking my office to more of a, like a full holistic center, bringing in other practitioners who are, you know, like a Chinese herbalist and an acupuncturist and an ultrasonographer, bringing in another napro physician and being able to expand my work that I do kind of internationally as well. So right now, during the pandemic, I started to offer infertility coaching and GYN coaching online as well. 
And so being able to offer those services and expand those services as well. But most importantly, I think, you know, just really enjoying life, spending time with my husband, with my children, giving back to the community, um, speaking up for those that are voiceless and uh, do my best to help. Social media. Give me some of your social media handles for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a YouTube channel. So Dr. Monique Rubero. Um, I am on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can just uh, search for me, Monique Rubero, and I'll pop up. I think it's natural Dr. Monique on Instagram. I'm on Clubhouse. I have a club there that's called uh, Natural Women's Health. And I am pretty much every social media lane. I've, I've got something in there. You can just search me up. <laughs> Dr. Rivero, this is a very interesting conversation. You have a passion for what you're doing. It's remarkable what you're doing. So I, I wanted to thank you for, for joining us here at A Fit Life. I highly recommend everyone that if they have any questions regarding OBGYN or anything to that, please contact Dr. Rivero. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. You have a blessed day. All right. Thank you. Take care. Well, that is it for this episode of A Fit Life. I want to thank again our guest, Dr. Monique Rubero, for a very interesting conversation. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you did, please subscribe and rate this show on iTunes. We are available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Any comments or questions you'd like to submit, you can do so at Eraldo Meglara on Instagram and Twitter. In closing, if you're interested in advertising on this show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. For A Fit Life, I'm Eraldo Meglara here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.